Welcome to Grace this weekend. Again, thanks so much for being here. If maybe you just walked back in in uh, the last handful of minutes, excited to be with you this weekend. And I want to draw your attention to one thing that Pastor Aaron was mentioning. Uh, if you guys have not gone to Discovery Group, that is a fantastic first step. If you've maybe been coming to the campus for a little bit and you're saying, hey, what do I do now? Like, how do I actually get involved? How do I start serving? How do I make my way into a life group? How do I meet some more people? Jumping into that discovery group is the easiest, cleanest way to do that. And so if you sign up for that on that little connection card, we'll help you get connected. And so it's four weekends. It starts on February 9th. We'll feed you lunch. We'll uh, watch your kids for you. It's right after service, right in a room right here off the hall. And uh, we will uh, be able to just connect and give you kind of the vision, the values, the history of Grace Church, and uh, also help you really kickstart your faith or uh, get connected and kind of get next steps happening in your face. So jump into that if you haven't, and uh, we'd love to connect with you there in Discovery. Well, we've been in this series, Clean Slate, now just for the uh, last handful of weeks. It's been a ton of fun. I've loved using the chalkboard. It is a blast. And uh, here's what we kind of said with this whole series. We, we said, really, uh, in the new year, as we kind of launch into January, most of us feel like we're kind of in it now uh, but most of us feel the need for some changes. Uh, we feel the need to change some things in our lives, uh, maybe some habits or some patterns. That's why we tend to have resolutions, is we, we kind of come into a new year and say, man, I want this to change in my life. Uh, usually we get to about this part of the, the year, about three or four weeks in, and usually those resolutions start to fall apart a little bit. Uh, we, we said, what if instead of kind of resolutions, we took a different approach to the new year and we just started with a clean slate? I think all of us kind of would long to have that. What if we had a do-over? And we said, what if we could uh, kind of look at the things that we have written down on our board and, and live off of? What if we erased those things and wrote down some new words, uh, some new truths that we could live off of, erase the slate, clean it off, and kind of start fresh? And that's exactly what we've been doing over the last handful of weeks. And if you missed any of these conversations, man, I would encourage you to catch up online. You can at least listen online through our app if you take a minute and download that. And what we've talked about so far has been really some foundational conversations. We've really talked through how we view God, kind of how he sees us and how we see him. We've talked about a new identity what defines me and what I can be defined by if I listen to what God says about me in his word. And then last week, Pastor Aaron really walked through what does it look like to have a new family? How do I actually relate and see where I belong in the family of God? So he walked us through some powerful truths about that. And if you missed any of those conversations, I'd encourage you to catch up online. I know, at least for me, it's been helpful to kind of, again, clean the slate and begin to see life in a fresh way and look at God's word through a fresh set of lenses and say, man, my life could be really, really different if I actually believe what God said about me and lived off of that truth instead of all the stuff I've written down throughout my life. And so what we want to do today is take another step in the conversation and uh, develop, uh, kind of develop a little bit more. We're going to walk into a conversation today about purpose, about purpose and finding a new purpose and man, purpose is such an important word to me. I, I think it's because it's been such a huge part of my story. Really, purpose is how I came to know Jesus. A lot of times I'll say, when people ask me, like, why did you decide to follow Jesus? I said, I ran out of reasons to get out of bed in the morning. I, I just, I just kind of ran out of purpose. I don't, 
know what else to do. I've tried to live for everything my culture told me to live for. It was all found lacking. Like, what should I give myself to? What should I do with myself? What is my purpose? And uh, that was a big part of my story of coming to know Jesus as a young adult in college. And um, purpose is just super important. It's, it's the big why, right? The big why underneath all of what I tend to do day in and day out. And, and it's easy, especially in adulthood, for us to look at the what and the how and the when, but the why, we, we kind of move past that, and it's hard to get back there because we're busy and we have stuff to do. We've got responsibilities to take care of. But every once in a while, we have to stop and get back down to the deep bedrock question of why. Why do I exist? And why am I on the planet? And why are things the way that they are? What is my purpose? It's funny, you know who's really good at this? Uh, who's really good at kind of getting at purpose? Children. Children are amazing at this. I was hanging out in my kitchen the other day, and my daughter totally just like locked into me. I, I just walked by her, and I was talking to myself. I do that frequently. Right? It's a personal issue. But right? I was walking, I grabbed my phone, and I, I just said, hey, I, I got to grab my phone, kind of saying it to myself. And my little seven-year-old daughter, she's like super small, looks up at me, and she just says, Why? And I, I said, well, honey, I need, I need to get back to some people. Why? And I was like, well, because, you know, honey, I got, I've got a job and I need to, to work. And why? Right? And I thought about it. I contemplated explaining to her God's divine call on my life and how that worked and the theology behind it. I decided not to. Right? So I just said, well, honey, daddy's got to work and provide for our family, and you know, if I don't work, then, then we're going to be homeless. You know, I didn't tell her that part, but right, I just kind of explained that you know, we, we have things to do, we've got responsibilities, and she just kept driving at it, man. Why? Right? And, and eventually, she just kind of got me to the end of it, and, and why, why, why? And I'm like, I don't know the answers, right? Stop asking me that question. And I pretended to cry, and she laughed. And then she looked at me, and she said, Why? Right? Kids are awesome at this. They just are. They're, they're awesome at seeing the world and seeing life through fresh lenses. Right? And they do. They want to know why is the world the way that it is? And why is my life the way that it is? And what's it all really, really about? And it's fascinating when you start to see life again through that fresh set of lenses. Really, we could say through the eyes of a child how uh, refreshing and maybe even sometimes how disturbing our answers are and some of the answers that we have settled into, uh, they've just become normal to us because they're kind of the answers that our culture has given. And if you said, Ryan, kind of what is the, the, cultural's, the culture's kind of answer to why we exist and why we're on the planet, I think if we had to survey kind of our area and our nation maybe, you would probably get all kinds of crazy answers all over the board, but, but I'm guessing if you summed it up, most people would say, if you said, why are we on the planet? What's life about? Why do we exist? We would probably come back with some version of this. We exist to be happy. Sound familiar? Right? We, everybody says that. Like, what do you really want? I want to be happy. I, I want to be happy. And when we say that, we all have 
loaded into that word all kinds of thoughts and definitions and dreams and ambitions. But, but we all kind of clump that together and say, I just want to be happy. And, and nothing's necessarily wrong with happy, but we're going to look at what happy looks like when I make it my purpose today. All right, so if I'm going to be happy, uh, probably there's some words that if we unpacked that, that we would unravel. Here's one of them that I think we would come up with. Uh, probably when we say happy, we are talking about we want some comfort, right? We want some comfort. We want to feel good. I, I, I just want to feel good. I don't want to be in pain all the time. I want to be comfortable. I want to be around people that make sense to me, in places that make sense to me, and do things that make sense to me. I just want to be, you probably hear that all the time, I do. I just want to be comfortable, right? Nothing wrong with comfort, or not, nothing necessarily intrinsically wrong with it. It's part of what most of us would think of when we think of being happy. Here's another one. I think if we unpacked it, we, we would say um, things need to be uh, convenient, right? We would think of convenience, um, I'm this way too, man. I, I don't just want takeout. I want you to bring the takeout to my door, right? Drive it to me. Bring it to me. I don't just want nice packaged groceries in a store somewhere that I can get them. I want you to take them to my house, right? Deliver. This is why there's such a demand for things like the, the drop-off lunch and the, right, the deliver your groceries to your door from Aldi. And, and, and if we could just keep making more convenient, I'm positive that we'll keep paying more and more and more for them because convenience is such a huge value. I don't want to just feel good. I, I don't just want to feel good. I want to feel good and I want my feeling good to come and to be easy. Like, man, just make my life super easy, super comfortable. All of that, if you add it all up, equals happy. Everybody's like, yeah, this sounds awesome, <laughs> right? I want that too. We all do. That's, again, nothing necessarily wrong with it. Here's another word that I think we could put on the list. Uh, we could look at, at this word and we'd say, we, we want to make sure we have some safety. And I want my kids to be safe. I want to be safe. I don't want to be at war. I don't want to be attacked. I want to be physically in a safe place. I want to be emotionally in a safe place. I, I don't want to be in places or in scenarios where harm could come to me or to anybody that is around me. That feels like a pretty good thing, I would say. I would say that's part of being happy, right? I want to be safe, and I want safety to be a huge value in my life. I'm going to pick a car that is safe. I'm going to pick a home and a zip code and a place where I can get as safe as possible. I'm going to pick a sport and help my kids steer towards sports where there's safety involved, right? Here's another one. Security, security, financial security. I, I want my needs to be met, of course, but I, I actually want something beyond that. I want, I want enough financial security that I don't have to worry about anything for the rest of my life. Right? There's an entire movement of people that are trying to retire early so that I have enough security. I have that, all that, that whole arrangement, that whole arena of life is kind of checked off so that I can do stuff with the rest of my life. I can focus on other things, right? That security is such a big deal that we will offer enormous amounts of time and energy to build our financial security and to fire it up. Now, none of these things, hear me, like loud and clear, parts of all of these things are really, really good, and many of these things are gifts that God has given us. 
There's nothing wrong with going on vacation or, or having takeout brought to your home. Those things are okay. They're fine. They're, they're a part of how we express our values. But what we're talking about in this conversation isn't if, are these things right or wrong. It's not are they good or bad. The sake and the, the focus of this conversation is are these things our purpose? Are these things why we exist? If I wrapped all these up and maybe added a few more words onto the board here and called this happy, is that really why I'm on the planet today? That's really the question at hand, isn't it? And if we got honest and and kind of thought about how we spend our time and our money and what we think about, what we talk about, me too, I have a lot of energy wrapped up into these four words. How do I feel about that? Is that the right purpose? Right? If my four-foot little daughter was standing on the stage with me, she would ask us, well, why? Why? Why do you want it faster? And why do you want to feel so good? And why do you want so much money? Right? And I would just be like, I don't know. I just want it. I want to be happy. Now, here's what's fascinating. It's fun. We're having fun with it. But here's what's fascinating is these things, they're not necessarily bad, not necessarily wrong, again. But what we find when I try to make this my purpose is that this becomes an incredibly frustrating way to spend a life. It's absolutely exhausting. Let let me show you why. Jesus told us some things in his word, all kinds of great stuff. But but when when I come across some of the things that Jesus has said, I think it's important for us to know that that is a foundational building block that I can arrange my entire life around. Because these are the very words of God. Jesus has spoken. And here's one of the things that Jesus said in John 16, 33. Here's what he said. He said, I've told you these things. He told his disciples all kinds of stuff in this chapter. He says, so that in me you may have peace. If you want peace, you should come to me. In this world you will have trouble He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's why a life purpose constructed around these words is absolutely frustrating, is absolutely exhausting, is because Jesus straight up told us this world is going to bring all kinds of trouble to you. I promise. I promise. You want and I want this world to be super easy. I love easy. I love when life is just like cruising along and there's no bumps. Jesus is like, it's not, most of the time, it's not going to be like that. I, I want things to feel super comfortable. Most of the time, they're not going to. Most of the time, life is not going to bring me safety, security, convenience, and comfort. Why? Because in this world, where we exist today, This life, this short hundred-year window, if we're fortunate, will not bring ease. It's going to bring trouble. It's going to bring difficulty because of the sinfulness and the brokenness of this world. There are unnamed frustrations, right? Enormous, uncountable frustrations that multiply 
by forces that are beyond our control. Right? So there's right, a bank or a business can blow up or a war can break out or a thing can happen and can break all this stuff down in my life and I have absolutely no control over it. That, that, that stuff makes you crazy. And you start wondering and asking the question, man, why is there so much anxiety? Why, why is there so much frustration in my, in my world today, in me today? Why am I so upset about my life? Here's a question. Could it be because I really expected, I really built my life and based my purpose around my life being happy and my life having all of these components show up in it. And those expectations in a world where there's going to be trouble is a recipe for failure, frustration, anxiety, and depression. And hear me, I realize anxiety and depression are real things and all the caveats that go with that. And this is real. If I can never meet my goals, my goal is to be happy. If I can never live out my purpose, and my my purpose is to be comfortable and convenient, to have ease and to, to make things just work, man to be financially stable and, and just to have it be safe and good, make my own little awesome bubble right here. And if I can never make that bubble, if I'm always being frustrated by it, my life's going to be pretty rough. And I think we all feel it. I feel it. I feel the internal stretch and frustration of really wanting this but knowing I really can't have it here and now because of what Jesus said. Because in this world, we're going to have trouble. It's going to be difficult. Now let me show you a passage and introduce you to a guy that some of us would be familiar with, if you're familiar with the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul, leader in the early church. This guy, uh, he's a fascinating guy because in a lot of ways, he had a good portion of some of these things. Leader in, a, in ancient Judaism, so he was a Jewish leader, and he was a guy who, who would have been well off, he would have been financially secure, uh, he would have had the safety of his community because he was celebrated by it, he, he had the convenience uh, of being kind of a, a major influencer, and often when, you have, when you're kind of networked with people, you can make things happen in the way that you want them to have happen, and of course all of that's going to bring a level of comfort into your life. And this guy, Paul, he, he would look at all of what he could gain from this world, all of what he had accomplished, he was a very accomplished man, and he drew some, I think, disturbing conclusions, life-altering conclusions based on his experience of this and then his interaction with the risen Jesus. So after Jesus died and rose from the grave, every once in a while, he would interact with people in a supernatural way. And he did that with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is going to look back at his life and all of his accomplishments and his accolades. He would have been kind of like a a PhD, right? So he was an accomplished guy, well-respected guy. And here's some conclusions that he drew. And I believe what we're going to see is this man's purpose statement for why he's on the planet 
kind of in light of interacting with Jesus. And here's what he's going to say in Philippians uh, chapter 3, sorry, in verse 7. We'll just read it together here on the board. It says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. All of my accolades, all of my accomplishments, everything that, that, was, that made me happy, so to say, all of that is loss compared to what I've gained now that I know Jesus. He says, what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. He says, I consider them garbage. Uh, The word literally means dung. You know what that is. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. In essence, what Jesus is, what Paul is saying here is, Everything that I could have that could be another purpose in my life, when I, when I interacted with Jesus, it became such a distant second. It became so less than knowing Jesus that basically this is now garbage to me. It's dung to me. It is nothing. It's of no value. He goes on, he says, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. He goes on, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and their participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Paul here would look at everything that he could have given his life to, ease and comfort and happy, all the stuff, and says, uh, I'm done with it. I'm good. Once I interacted with Jesus, I, I was kind of dead to what this world could give me. It's, it's nothing compared to that. Nothing compared to knowing Jesus. I just got to look at his story and I got to look at it and say, there's something happened here. Something happened in that man that's supernatural. And I want you to feel it because this isn't just a guy who like, oh yeah, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't get to have everything that he had before. Maybe his life changed in some ways. Maybe some of this went away. I just want to read you this passage. Just hear me for a minute. Listen to what he would say about his experience after coming to know Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11, I'm going to start in 24, just hear it. He's recounting some sufferings that he went through. He says this, five times, I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. He says, I've constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. And I can't go a day without sleep. I'm a train wreck. He says, I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. He says, besides everything else, I face... Daily, the pressure of my concern for all the churches. 
wow, that this guy really lost some of this stuff at a really deep level. And somehow he's still able to say, I lost all of it, all that we hope to gain, but I found it all. I found the thing that's worth dying for. I found the thing that's worth living for. I found Christ. Say, Ryan, what, what do we, how do we switch gears from this? Because we're, right, we're in the conversation about our culture and, and now Paul and how he interacted. And what do I write on the board now? If these have been my words for this life, what are my new words? What do I live from today? I want to show you a passage that I think sums this up so well. What Paul was just talking about where he says, I want to know Christ. Uh, that's an experiential no. That's like, I, 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 I know my wife because we've lived life together and we've shared together and we've cried together. It's actually, it, it's a, sometimes used of, of couples sexually. I want to know you. Not just know you in an encyclopedia kind of way. I, I want to live life with you deeply. That's what Paul says when he says, I want to know Christ. John, the apostle, I think sums this up so well. He says this, and I'm just going to read it. In John 17, 3, he says, Now this is eternal life. I want you to hear the definition of eternal life. Because in my head, most of when I had heard eternal life, I thought heaven and that's fine, it's a part of it, it's just not all of it. Listen to the rest of the verse. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom I have sent. Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that you would know God. The purpose of this life is to live not just normal life, but eternal life. A life that is focused and aimed at knowing the God who made us, the one who created us. That's, that's lived eternally. See, eternal is not a time period. It's a quality of life. It's a kind of life. This is the, the mind-blowing thing that I want you to be uh, ruined by in all the right ways. Eternal life is available here and now. Hear me. Eternal life is available here and now. If I have a relationship with God, then I'm living eternal life right now. And one day, as I'm living eternal life, eventually this world will end and eternity will begin and I will be in heaven, and I'll be able to see God face to face, but my relationship with him starts here and now. Eternal life. You and I have the incredible privilege of knowing God. Of knowing Christ, the one who laid down his life for us. What's the point of life? What's the purpose? It's to live eternally. It's to live like eternity is real, like it matters. 
We could go on. We could write some other words down. I'll show you these verses in a minute, but when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he basically said to love God and to love people. Right? To give ourselves to the love of God and to the love of people. Look at this passage with me. We'll skip through here. Here's what he's going to say. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus is saying here is, I want you to put all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your energy and all of your attention and all of your focus here, living eternal life. He he didn't say, give yourself to being happy and if you have anything left afterwards, then you should put a little bit of energy over here. He didn't say that. In fact, it would be reversed. Focus yourself here, knowing Christ and loving God and getting to know him and giving ourselves to people. And as we do that, as we love God and as we know him more and more and more, the Bible's gonna say some unbelievably interesting things, some paradoxical things, that as I seek to know God and love God and love people and make that my purpose, what actually will happen is I'll put myself into a place where I can actually find my life. What's fascinating is Jesus in the Bible does something uh, that we don't think often that he does. We tend to think that the Bible teaches us to, have, uh, to be altruistic, to not have any self-interest at all, to not, to not think about myself. The Bible doesn't actually do that. Did you know that? Jesus will say things like this, uh, whoever wants to be great, you want to be great, you should be the least. That's the way to get there. Don't fight for your own greatness, fight to be the least, fight to be a servant. You want to find your life, you got to lose it. You want to give yourself away and you're going to find yourself. Over and over and over, Jesus is going to say the way that you're approaching getting what you want is really the problem. This is a faith-based way to find my life. I go after God. I go after finding him. And then I trust him to take care of my needs. He knows what I need. He even knows what I want. And here's, here's where this all works. If I will look and say, uh, this, I refuse to make this my purpose. I'm going to erase this from being my purpose. And what I'm going to do is focus my energy here. When I go to work, and when I go to school, and when I go home, what I'm going to think about and what I'm going to try to do is live life with Jesus. Jesus, you're here with me in the room. Jesus, you love me and you're trying to help me get to know the God who created me. You're helping me to see that people are made in your image and that they're the most valuable beings in the room, in any room. You're helping me to engage that over and over and over again. And when I focus my energy there and make that my purpose, and I'll do that imperfectly, I want you to see what happens. What happens when I live my life that way is in 
the next life in just a little bit in this life, in the next life for sure, in a little bit in this life, what will happen is God will take care of these needs and these longings of my heart, but he'll not just do it in a micro way of 100 years. He will do it in an eternal way, a way that lasts forever. See, here's the thing. If I recognize that this life is short and it's not really about me, it's about God, and I surrender these things, what happens is I will get these back forever. In eternity, there is no end to the comfort that we'll receive. And nothing can disturb it. There's no sin. There's no sickness. There's no death. There's no pain. It's hard to even enjoy comfort because I'm always kind of afraid it's going to go away. The the convenience of of having ease. Literally, the Bible says you're going to enter into the rest of God. An eternal rest. The ease is going to be incredible. I'm also going to have significance and purpose, but I'm in a restful state. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'll be forever in safety. I I will have all of the resources that God himself has, and I'll have them at my disposal to be able to enjoy God. I will have all of this in heaven one day. And, And in this life, little moments of it, just like we have now. Because most of this remains beyond our control in this life. Here's the lie that we hear a lot. If, if you love God, God's going to make you super happy and super rich and super famous and make you super happy. Right? That's not guaranteed. Jesus told us in this world you're going to have trouble. Will you have some of those things? Absolutely. Right? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God gives us those moments of reprieve, moments of ease, moments of comfort, and they're to be enjoyed and they're to be thankful for. But when I throw myself down here and I make this my purpose, what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm actually having the kind of longings of my heart fulfilled in heaven one day when I'm with God that I long for and I can enjoy those in a state that will be undisturbed. Jim Elliott, famous missionary, said something fascinating. He said he he is no fool who trades what he cannot keep, right, for for what he cannot lose. If I aim here and lose my life by loving God, and I trade this out, I say, you know what, God, if you don't give me comfort, it's okay. If you don't give me convenience, it's okay. If I'm not as rich as I want to be, it's okay. It's not the point of life anyway. I'm going to focus on you, and I'm going to let you take care of me eternally and trust you'll get me through these short hundred years. See, Ryan, how do, we, how do we lock into this? What do we do with it? I'll just tell you guys, I, uh, I told you in the beginning, this is very personal to me, this conversation. It's not just theory, concept. Uh, there's a bunch of days uh, this last summer is when it really peaked for me when I just really wanted an easier life. I wanted a real comfortable life. I love my family. And I love being with them. And there's a big part of me that just wishes that, that I could just go do some job that's easier and make more money and be home more and be in warmer places. 
in like Northeast Ohio. Anybody else feel that way right now? And I'm, I'm just being honest with you, I wrestled with the Lord on that. God, I want, e- I want easier. I'm tired. Isn't there another way? And I thought, and I strategized, and I masterminded, and I made schemes in my head of how somehow I can get out of the, this calling that God's put on my heart in my life. Isn't there a way that I could have my life without losing it? And then the Lord, and he just rocked me. And he helped me see that he laid down his life for me so that I could find life. And the least that I could do is lay down my life that others might find it as well. This is a wrestle. Because you and I are not here on the planet to exist. We're not here for ease. Here's what we exist for. Set it this way. We don't exist for ourselves. We are made for God. We are made for love. Your life matters far more than you think it does. How do I know that? Jesus died for you. Your life and the significance of your days and your energy and your time and your attention are of far more value than you realize. And the impact of what you do and the purpose that you decide is far greater reaching than you can ever imagine. And someday, I believe, we're going to be able to look and see the movie of history and watch how our faith decisions made an impact that was far beyond what we expected. Famous pastor Rick Warren said this one time. He said, when we die and we stand before the Lord, we're going to be asked two questions. The first question is this, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Some of us are in the room and we're wrestling that first question through. Do I believe that Jesus came and he died, he rose from the dead and now he beat death and he offers me forgiveness and eternal life that I can know God through him? Some of us are wrestling with that first question. And if you're there, just hear me. If you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for meaning, you will find it there. And I cannot offer you or promise you a pain-free life if you say yes to that, but you'll find the purpose you're looking for. Say yes to Jesus, just surrender to it. I'm in. That's what it looked like for me. Side of the road and a Ford Explorer on a road trip, Jesus, I'm in. I don't even know what that means, but I'm in. Forgive my sins. Take my life. I want yours. You can say that today to the Lord. Most of us in the room are wrestling with the second question this pastor asked. When he said, when we stand before the Lord, we're going to look at him and he's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave to you? In other words, how did you live out your purpose? Someday I'm going to give an account Someday I'm going to look my Savior who bled for me 
in the eyes. And I'm going to give an account for what I did with my days and my time and my energy that I have the free will to make decisions about. And so will you. I want to look at him one day. And I want to say, Lord, I left it all out there. I went all in. I made decisions that seemed crazy to a lot of people, but I believed you and I lived life with you. I loved you and I did it imperfectly and I'm sorry. I wish I could have given you more. And not to earn anything, not to achieve anything, but simply as a thank you. Because he deserves it. Guys, I hope, I hope you know uh, what we're talking about here is much more than doing church. You're talking about life-altering, eternity-altering stuff. Literally nothing matters more. As we walk away today, as the band comes out and they lead us into worship, I, I just ask, will you decide which part of this thing you want to erase? I just encourage you, erase all or the other. Don't go halfway. Go all in. I want to put it all on one side or I want to put it on the other. I don't want to be halfway. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be casual. I want to follow Christ or I actually don't believe in Jesus. Which is it? What is your purpose? Would you clean the slate and choose which side will you erase today? Would you bow your heads? Would you pray with me? And we'll sing and worship. Lord, I'm just so glad you told us. I was never going to figure this out on my own. Oh, I'm selfish and self-righteous and prideful and I want mine. And Lord, if you didn't tell me that the way to find my life is to lose it, I never would have known. God, I pray for each one of us here that you would give us the courage to move beyond just comfort or ease and money and say, I don't care what it costs me, Lord, I want you. You will be my purpose. You will be my God. Lord, you rescued us and you saved us and you're worth all of our heart, all of our attention. Lord, would you build our lives there around your passion for us. Meet us here, Lord. Even now.